praise team comes down, will you join me in another word of prayer? Uh, Lord God, we pray and we just ask that you would continue to be with us. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would uh, continue to meet with us and minister to us. Uh, Lord, as we come to your word, might you captivate us, Lord. Captivate us afresh with the story that we know so well, that which we are so familiar with, Lord. Help us not to receive it as though it is just a familiar word, God. Help us to open up our, our minds, our hearts, our eyes, our ears. Help us to receive freshly uh, your word tonight. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. In just a few moments, we're going to uh, partake of the elements, but before we do, I thought it would be uh, quite right and necessary if we gave a reading out of uh, Luke's gospel of the crucifixion of Jesus. <clears throat> uh, we will not, we'll, we'll begin in Luke chapter number 23, verse number 13. I'll tell you what has happened preceding this. Uh, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was taken and he was uh, questioned before the Jewish authorities. Uh, they brought him to Pilate with accusations. Pilate questioned him and could find no fault with him. However, Pilate, uh, and this is historically accurate in other details that we find with Pilate, uh, Pilate, hearing that Jesus was a Galilean and knowing that Herod was in town for the Passover celebration, Pilate tried to hand him off to Herod. And so Jesus was taken to Herod, and who had jurisdiction over the Galilee region where Jesus was from. And Herod questioned Jesus, and um, Herod himself found no fault with Jesus, but he allowed his... Uh, his guard and his, um, his, his soldiers to toy with Jesus a bit, to beat him up, to mock him, to tease him, to taunt him, to slander him, to spit upon his face, to pluck out his beard. And then Pilate, or Herod sent him back over to Pilate and said, hey, I don't have any fault with him. Not, and here's what we should say. I don't find anything worthy of death. I don't find the sentence of death. Pilate, receiving him again, uh, verse number 13 says, uh, When he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, Pilate said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and look, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to chastise him and release him. And then Luke tells us a little bit of a commentary or a narrative 
editorial mark. He said, for of necessity, Pilate must release one unto them at the feast. So Pilate said, I don't find fault. Herod doesn't find fault. I'm going to release him. And they cried out all at once. And they said, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. Now, Luke gives us another little editorial narrative wrote a note about Barabbas. Uh, Barabbas was one who was um, who was arrested for murder and for sedition. He had been put into prison. They said, "No, we don't want Jesus released to us. We want Barabbas, the seditious murderer, released to us." Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spoke again unto them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them a third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go and they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified and the voices of them and of the chief priest prevailed and Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required and Pilate released unto them Barabbas the one who had been in prison for sedition and murder. But he delivered Jesus unto their will. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed Jesus, a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming. Days in the which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore. And the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in a dry? And of course, Jesus there was talking about what we mentioned on Sunday, what would happen some 35 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Of course, let's remember this. Jesus himself is the true temple. He's the true Jerusalem. And so uh, that which happens to him, that judgment which comes upon him, which would later actually come upon the city, is something that we take hope in. He's the one who took that judgment upon himself. However, let us continue. And there were also two other, they were male factors. They were led with, they were led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, or the skull, there 
they crucified Jesus, as well as the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, and they cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him. And they said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is really the Christ or the Messiah, the chosen of God, he should be able to do this, right? The soldiers also mocked him. And they came to him and they offered him vinegar or sour wine. And they said, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And there was a superscription that was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. And above him was the sign that says, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on Jesus. And he said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him. And he said, do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And listen, we indeed are justly hanging here. We have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. At this time it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the land until about the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the tent was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. This is the death, the crucifixion, the sacrificial death of Jesus. We're gathered here tonight so that we can uh, soberly consider Jesus' death. We're gathered here tonight so that we can do that in a very particular way. We have sung songs. And those songs have talked about his death. They've talked about his, the blood that was shed. They've talked about what uh, his death has been able to do for us. Uh, we gathered and we read scripture. We read the story of Jesus's, one account of the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, but we are really gathered around these elements. These elements. See, the night before Jesus had died, he gave his disciples uh, this, this mill, which would be a symbol that they could use to remember his death. Uh, of course, whenever they first got this mill, they were a little uh, wary and a little confused about it. 
But Jesus gave them this meal, and this is why we are gathered here tonight, so that we can partake of the elements, the bread and the cup. Now, we know that whenever Jesus uh, gave this meal, he said, do this in remembrance of me. In fact, right here in front of our communion table, we see in remembrance of me. These words ring out to us. These words uh, uh, grab hold of us. When we do this, when we gather around this table, we're doing it. When we gather on Good Friday to do it, especially, we are doing it so that we could remember. Remember the death, the crucifixion, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. And tonight we do want to remember, but I want to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Because uh, what we should know is that this meal is not just a meal in which uh, we are called to remember. There's more to this meal. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 23. He said, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you do, and the King James Version says, show the Lord's death until he comes. Let's talk about that word show for a second. And here's the supposition. This mill is not just a mill of remembrance, but this is also a mill of proclamation. This is a mill of preaching the gospel. That word show is the Greek word kata uh, angelio. And if I didn't say that right, you don't know any better. And if you do know any better, don't tell me about it. I'm doing my best. If you find this word throughout Scripture, especially in the King James Version, but you can find it throughout other translations, this word is most often translated preached. As in when the disciples were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were mad because they had been preaching that Jesus is the way. Or whenever uh, people were telling about how Paul had preached to them that uh, the way or that uh, the light of life. Uh, this word is uh, often translated in modern translations as proclaim. Which is just another word for preach. It just doesn't have the religious overtones or undertones uh, to it. So, this mill is a mill in which we remember Jesus, but this mill is also a mill 
in which Jesus' death is proclaimed. Through this mill, the cross of Christ is preached. So what of it? Well, here's my thought tonight. It's interesting that Paul wanted to remind the church there in Corinth that whenever they eat this meal, they don't just remember Jesus. But when they eat this meal, they preach Jesus. It's interesting given the context in which he was writing 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 in particular. And that context is that they had taken advantage of this mill. And this mill was not being used to preach Jesus. Or might we say it another way? They had taken this mill that preached Jesus and it was preaching a very contrary good news, good word about Jesus. It was not preaching about Jesus who is humble and patient. It's not preaching about Jesus who is uh, loving and generous and hospitable. It was not preaching about the Jesus who laid down his life for others. In fact, what they were doing with this meal was they were showing up uh, early and they were gobbling it down and they were drinking too much wine and they were being gluttonous and drunkards, as Paul says. So he wants to remind them this meal is meant, it's intended to preach Jesus. So I find that interesting that Paul wants to press that point given that context. But I also find it interesting because earlier on in the book of Corinthians, Paul starts out the whole letter with, with, with reminding the church to be unified, to say the same thing because they were being divided. They were being divided about who was their leader. And Paul said, hey, listen, some of you are saying I was baptized of this person. I was baptized of this person. And Paul says, listen, I wasn't sent to be the one who authorizes baptisms over people. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, Paul says, I was sent to preach the gospel. And I was sent to do this, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Why I want to draw our attention to this remembrance that this mill is not merely a remembrance mill is because I want to invite us to consider tonight that as we partake, Jesus is being preached. He's being proclaimed. But also as we go, it's our job. It's our duty. It's our responsibility to be the ones proclaiming Jesus. Uh, so, what might we proclaim of Jesus? Well, Paul tells us after he uh, goes on talking about how he uh, is sent to preach, he says, let me tell you some things about uh, who Jesus Christ is to us. 
and he tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 30. He said, Jesus has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Here's what I want to encourage you all with. This meal teaches us, it preaches that Jesus is wisdom, he is righteousness, he is sanctification, he is redemption. Very quickly, let me unpack this just a little bit. Jesus is wisdom in this regard. Every religion believes that you make sacrifice to the gods, that you bring something to the deity. Uh, Jews even found themselves practicing this. This meal that Jesus gave us to represent his sacrifice for us reminds us that it's foolish for us to think that we could bring anything to God or that we need to bring anything to God. Another way that it is wisdom is this. Those who are not religious often find themselves in despair. There is not a thing I can do. There's not a thing I can do to bring honor to God. There's not a thing I can do to make, uh, to make good out of this mess of this life. My father, um, his testimony was at, he had been arrested uh, and he was uh, facing hard jail time. And uh, he had sat there in his room and he had thought that he needed to end his life because he had made such a mess of it. That there was no hope. And in this wild, crazy moment, the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of his life and said, that's foolish thinking. Let me give you some wisdom. He said, here's the real wisdom. God doesn't require a thing of you because he's taking care of it in his son, Jesus. And so, my brothers and my sisters, as we eat this meal tonight, let's remember that this meal was given to us. And it symbolizes Jesus who was given to us and Jesus who gave himself for us. Let it be our wisdom tonight. Let it teach us wisdom. There's not a thing that we can bring to God. And there's, uh, and we don't have to bring a thing to God. He gives to us that which is necessary. What does he give us that which is necessary for? Our righteousness. Jesus has become our righteousness. I want to say two things about this. He is the one who makes us right with God. He gives us standing before holy God. But here's the other thing. Righteousness is not just about this idea of having standing. Righteousness is the way in which you would get standing. How would you go about doing that which pleases the Lord? I think that's our family promise family. How would you go about doing that which pleases the Lord? Jesus shows us the right way. And this is what I want us to see about wisdom and righteousness. The cross is the right way. You and I giving of ourselves, laying down our lives. We when we choose that, we choose the right way to live now we don't do that so that we can earn favor with God because Jesus has already done it for us 
but we do it because we have learned. It is the wise and right way. Uh, the third thing is uh, Jesus is our sanctification. He is that which cleanses us, sets us apart, makes us consecrated, uh, makes us holy, makes us fit for God's use. However you want to say it, here's what Jesus, his death does for us. Is it sets us apart for God's service. Uh, what I would encourage us with is that um, this meal is to remind us, especially as we drink that blood, that we have been set apart. Peter says it this way, you have been bought with a price. And that price is far more than some riches and some gold. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. This meal, through its elements even, remind us that we have been bought with a price. Here's what I would encourage us as well. As we live lives, let's live the lives that that model after that. Might we be willing to win people with more than just silver and gold and in, in, a, in a swift smile? Might we be willing to win people by laying down our selves so that they could be set apart for God's use. The last thing that he says here is he is our redemption. He is our redemption. He is the one who has redeemed us. He's rescued us from the slavery, slavery to sin, death, and hell. We have been redeemed. Again, we have been bought with a price. Um, and uh, the blood reminds us of this. He is our redemption. Uh, we, as we receive this meal tonight, let us, let this meal preach to us, proclaim the good news to us. Jesus, the one who laid down his life, as we take the, the bread and the cup, he is our wisdom, he is our righteousness, he is our sanctification, he is our redemption. But then also, we who receive this meal tonight, we who partake in these elements, let us remember that our lives are lived to be those lives that proclaim this about Jesus. Paul said early on, I came not to baptize with water, but I came to preach Christ. And he said, and I didn't come to do this with wisdom of words. Now, there's a lot that we can say when we say, Paul said, I didn't come to do this with wisdom and wor of words. But one thing must be said about it. When Paul said, I didn't come to do it with wisdom of words, Paul meant, I'm not coming here to try to persuade you with argumentation. Paul meant, when you look at me and you see this weak, beggarly person who you think doesn't have the right authority to be up front teaching, preaching, working miracles, because somebody who looks better than Paul, who is uh, slicker than Paul, deserves that right or must have that authority. Paul says, I come and with my whole life, with my whole life, I preach the gospel. I don't just come to 
persuade you with an argument. I come to live a life that models Jesus, that proclaims Jesus. So what we know about Paul is Paul would endure people's scoffing and their beatings. Paul would endure imprisonment. Uh, Paul would give everything that he had so that he could go to the farthest reaches of the world so that somebody could know about Jesus. Paul didn't come to preach with wisdom of words. That doesn't merely mean, hey, he didn't have a slick argument. It meant, I'm not here to try to argue the point. Look at my life. My life testifies of Christ. When Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, he said, your lives don't testify of the cross. In fact, whenever you take part of this meal, you don't testify of the cross because you're gluttonous and drunkards when you partake of the meal. And this meal is intended to proclaim the good news that Christ died. And on the third day, he rose again. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, but he's coming again. And so, my brothers and my sisters, let us do this in remembrance of Jesus. But as we partake, let's make sure that we are, we are signed up for the covenant, the commitment, the task. That we will go from this place and with our lives... We will proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. With that I say, amen. Well, join me in a word of prayer. Brother Mitch is going to come and he's going to play quietly. Here's what I want you to consider as we uh, bow for prayer tonight before we partake of these elements. I want you to actually...